Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. In Luke chapter 15, there are three parables. And what stirred Jesus up to talk about these three parables, we'll look at it in verses 1 through 3. So in Luke 1 through 3, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to Jesus. Hey, he drew the sinners to him to hear him. In verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now look, it's talking about sinners and it's talking about Pharisees. And then in verse and, and then verse 3, and he spoke this parable to them. Well, actually, he spoke three. But we're going to break each one of them down, and I want you to look at each one of them, and I want you to look at your heart today, okay? And then you may be standing in the gap. And I thought this was good. Do you know standing in the gap for somebody, maybe that you know somebody that's lost today, to, it, the Bible says to intercede. Do you, let me give you the easiest definition to intercede. Introduce, Tim, I want to introduce you to Rita. Look at this wonderful woman of God. Yeah. Introduce. To intercede for somebody is to, to introduce them to God through prayer. Have you all ever in, interceded for anybody? It's time to start. Instead of like a bunch of heathens, I don't think they'll ever change. That's, that's the wrong prayer. Come on. Come on. Knuckleheads, that's the wrong prayer. So let's look. Number one, in this, you are precious to God. Can you say, I'm precious? Come on. That, that's the hardest thing is to believe that you are right with God, that you're good with God, that God loves you no matter what. You're precious. You're precious. So let's go ahead and read and, and uh, uh Luke 4 through 7, and let's read the parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go to look for the one which is lost until he finds it? Lost. Say lost. Okay, he's talking about people lost. And he said uh, in verse 5, and when he had found it, he lays it on his shoulder rejoicing. Look at verse 6. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Verse 7, And I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. So, so look, I say that likewise, there will be joy in heaven for one sinner. Talking about somebody lost. Somebody like Jesus came to save the lost. Amen? Amen? And so as you look at that, uh, Jesus is the shepherd. Can you see that? He's the good shepherd. Matter of fact, John 10, 11 says he gave his life for the sheep. The good shepherd, I'm the good shepherd, I, uh, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd, and he gives his life for the sheep. Another easy way to say it, he came after us. He left heaven to come after us. Now, most of you know this. Most of you have heard this. But listen, let's shore it up. And guess what? He knows all his sheep. He knows who's missing and who's here. 
He knows his sheep. They're precious to him. And so we got to understand that how we live, how, you know, we always want to go, well, I can't do this, can't do that. No, we're precious, just us are precious. Forget about good works. Just be for a minute right now in this moment that you're precious to God. You're precious to God. Guess what? When you start realizing that you're precious to God, it, it changes you. You don't live out of hurt anymore. You don't live out of un, unworthiness. You're precious. And so we've got to understand that we're precious. And when you do, then it's easy to give him your all. I'm picking at Tim and Rita. They're married. They've given each other their all. But they know that they're precious to one another. Understand that. It's a key with God. You're precious to God. Let's look at Luke 9, 23 through 26 real quick and just read this. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. In your flesh, that's one of the hardest things to do. What does it mean? It doesn't mean put a little cross on your shoulder and carry it like Jesus did, even though we, we did that one Halloween. You're talking about scare the far out of people. Scare the hell out of them. They, you know, it, there you go. I got a cross, a full cross, and we're following, you know, got a guy dressed like Jesus. And how many people are yelling at us? What are y'all doing in this neighborhood? You know, it was scary to them. And it was Halloween. They had people dressed up really supposed to be scary. But it's not talking about that. It's talking about what you've got to go through in life. That's really your cross. Stuff your mom and daddy put on you or stuff, the wrong decisions you made. It's carry your cross and give it to Jesus. And he said to them, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. When self's involved, when we get in trouble. You ever met somebody with a low self-esteem? You ever met somebody with a high self-esteem? You know, cocky and proud. So take away low, take away high, and take away esteem, and what's it got? Self. And that's the problem. It's self. It's getting self out of the way. That's the cross that he's talking about. Take up your cross and deny yourself. Deny self. Because you're precious to God. He paid for you. Jesus paid the price for you. Somebody told a story in World War II, or World War I, that uh, after the war, the America went in to help set up orphanages all over Europe. And an old man had an eight-year-old girl, and he'd been in prisoner of war camps. He couldn't work. He was starving. She was starving. And he went to the orphanages, and they said, take my daughter, please. Will you take my daughter? And they said, sir, are you her father? Is that what I heard right? He goes, yes. He goes, if you're her father, we can't take her because she's not an orphan. And he said, but I'm starving. She's starving. We're both going to die. I'm going to die. I need somebody to take care of her. I need somebody to take her. And the man said, I'd love to take her, but I can't. And he said, you telling me as long as I'm alive, you can't take my daughter? He goes, yes, sir. He said, take my daughter. I'll make the arrangements. And he went and he hung himself so his daughter could live. You know, that's what Jesus did. He said, Father, can you take him? He said, I can't take him in that state. He said, well, I'll die for him. 
let me die for them. Isn't that a hard story, heartbreaking story? But that's exactly what Jesus did. He left the glory of heaven to save us because we're precious. We are so precious to him, and we've got to realize that. Number two, you're valuable. You know, i got some things that are precious to me that aren't precious to anybody else. But then I've got some things that are valuable to me and that would be valuable to other people as well. But we're precious to God. I don't care what anybody has ever said about you. You're precious to God, and you're valuable to Him. You're valuable, so valuable to Him. And so we, we've got to understand our value and in Luke 15, 8 through 10, it's, he starts talking another parable about how valuable, valuable you are. Or what woman having ten silver coins and she loses one coin and does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Leave that scripture up there. Now let me help you understand that. You know, she's not carrying these coins in her pocket. And she's not getting them out and counting these ten coins and loses one that rolls across the floor. She wore them in a necklace. Married women wore silver coins in their necklace. And then uh, you ladies, I know, I know that you've lost a piece of necklace before. My wife has and brought, brings it to me, help me find it, and fix it. She tells me to fix it. And because she lost, but this, this woman lost a coin. She remember, it's gone, and so now she's got to find it, so let's go. And she starts, she, 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 she lights a lamp. She sweeps the house. She searches carefully for it because she can find it because it's, again, lost. Everybody say lost. Look at verse 9. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice me, for I have found the peace that was lost. And that's verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over every one sinner who repents. So when you came to know Jesus, you repented, you gave him your heart, the angels rejoiced. Amen? There's joy in heaven when you got saved. And every time somebody gets saved, there's joy in heaven. You got to think about it. There's more to this life than living this life, than, than walking in this earth. There's an eternity. How many of you are, are ready for eternity? Hey, I'm ready for eternity. Heaven is a wonderful place full of glory and grace. I can't wait to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. Remember that one? Well, it is. But how many of you know that, that we scratch and, 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 and hold on and beg? And, and it's what somebody said. People work their whole life to make millions of dollars, and they spend it all to live two or three more days. It won't, you know, this life doesn't matter. What matters in this life is you and me and those we bring with us. You see, it doesn't matter what you do. We always, am I, am I going to be, am I supposed to be a banker? Am I supposed to be a, a doctor? Am I supposed to be this? No, you're supposed to, to do, to do kingdom business. That's what you're called to do, to be a light, to be the salt, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That means maybe right next to you, person at work, your kids, your family. You're supposed to preach the gospel. You're supposed to live the gospel. Amen. For those who are lost. Because the Holy Spirit's after those people. Now, now, if Jesus is the good shepherd in the first parable, who's the woman? You ever thought about it? A lot of Bible scholars believe it's the Holy Spirit. 
why would the Holy Spirit be represented as a woman? <laughs> and somebody said, well, you know what? The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit showed up in Acts, people got emotional, prophesied. Matter of fact, even Simon the sorcerer saw when Peter laid hands on somebody and they got the Holy Ghost, he's like, "Woo! look at the power. What did he see? Look at the power. They shook, their emotion, they cried, they laughed. And he goes, hey, hey, let me buy that from you. I mean, I can make some money with that. But see, the Holy Spirit is, and women, most women are more emotional than some men. But, you know, there are men that are more emotional than their, than their wives. But the Holy Spirit is like, is like that. He's tender. He's kind. He's gentle. He's jealous. He's full of joy. He's full of peace. And, and he's like my cousin's wife. She's always asking, well, how'd that make you feel? And as a man, I'm like, I don't feel that at all. I don't, don't, don't not, Dr. Phil, I'm not sitting, you know, and talking to you. But, but women will take, a, take an emotion and attach it to a, a situation. They'll remember, remember it forever. And I'm going, what? What are you talking about? And so she's wanting to know how you dealt with a problem. She's trying to, my, my cousin's wife's trying to figure out how you deal with a problem. And she goes, well, how'd that make you feel? Well, I didn't feel nothing. You know, your family was like one guy said, you know, uh, uh, his family left him to wolves. She goes, well, how'd that make you feel? He goes, well, I love the wolves. She goes, no, you don't. Oh, yeah, I do. I'm tough. You know. But see, the Holy Spirit will help you deal with situations in life. And he'll help you minister to people who are lost. Are you with me? Amen. You need to be asking, you know, if, if God says somebody's lost, then you need to be praying until God tells you what to say to them. Because you can run in there like a bull in a china closet and not help the Holy Spirit at all. But if you help him, you know, it's like I, I walked into work one day and, and most of the boys uh, were, weren't saved or if they were, they were just barely hanging on. You know what I mean? And they go, you need to get him saved. Look at that guy right there. You know, he was the grouchy one. And I'm like, what about y'all? And, you know, but he, they were trying to point out, get him, get him, get him saved. And I'm like, well, what, what about y'all? What did he do? And so, you see, we can't help. We have to live, and we have to ask the Holy Spirit. That's when we help. He's our helper to help us. What I'm trying to say is quit trying to do things in our own flesh. Now, now let, let's go on because really, really where I wanted to go to. But uh, let me say this, too. The silver coin, silver in the Hebrew means valuable. That's where that came from. And we know gold's valuable, silver's valuable, but the word's really a value. And, and uh, remember when Jesus, when they came to Jesus, said, hey, should we pay taxes? That's a good question for the day, isn't it? And he said, yeah, who, whose picture's on the coin? He said, render to Caesar Caesar's. Guess what? You're valuable. Whose picture is on you? Hmm? Whose picture is on you? The Bible says those of that are saved, we have a seal on our heart, a seal on our arm. Matter of fact, the devil can pick the saved ones out of the lost ones. Can he pick you out? And if you say, no, I don't think so, then you need to change. Come on, you can. He does know you're saved. 
He does know you're saved. Even when you, and when you don't think people recognize it, the Holy, the Holy Spirit's in you and on you. So say, I'm valuable. I'm a child of God. I was created in His image and likeness. In Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and it was good. God said, let there be an atmosphere, and it was good. God said, let there be land, and it was good. God said, it's good. And God created man, you, in his own image. And the day you were created in your mother's womb, he said, it's good. It's good. Now, as far as God's concerned, you're good and you're valuable. You're precious and you're valuable. Trying to help you. Too many of us beat ourselves up. That we're no good, we're not of any value, we can't, that's a lie. He created you for Him. He created you for now. How about thank God we were born in this time? Amen. For such a time as this, you were born. Number three, this is your unique. There's nobody else like you. Some of you said, thank God. Because there ain't nobody else like me. Well, there ain't nobody else like you. You know, you know the story. Nobody's got fingerprints like you. Nobody's eyes like yours. You're unique. And it's awesome. God made you. He knows us. He knows all about us. We're unique. There's, and, and I know it's kind of strange coming out of this story, the story of the prodigal. Anybody ever heard the story of the prodigal son? We're about to read it. But I want to show you some things in it. This is really the story I wanted to get to, but I wanted to start at the beginning. So in Luke 15, 11, and, and you know, when you hear prodigal son, you think backslidden son. Prodigal means, uh, man, extravagant living with no restraints. You know, I'm not drinking one. I'm going to drink 15. I, I'm, not, I'm not just buying, you know, one suit. I'm getting twelve, twenty thousand $20,000 suits, you know? No restraint is what prodigal means. And so let's look. And he said there was a certain man who had two sons. Sons. I'm going to go ahead and say it right off. They weren't lost. They're sons. Romans 8 says, now we are the sons and daughters of God. So now the story is changing from lost people who are out there, because the Lord has sent me to people who were in my youth group at one time or people that I knew, and go get them. Go talk to them. And I had to do it on his prodding. I didn't make it up. But he said, go get them. But let's watch this. There were two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me that I may divide and, and divide, divide it to them and I can live. Oh, boy. Not many days the younger son gathered it all together and journeyed to a far country, and there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. When he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to want. Then he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. Let's back up and go to the first verse that we started reading. I just want to break this down. I just can't stand it, so here we go. Certain man had two sons. They were sons. Everybody say sons. Next verse. The younger of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided his livelihood. Leave it right there. 
Do you know how many Christians I've had come to me and tell me, and I'm talking Christians, been in church, saved, I just want to do what I want to do. Eh, wrong answer. Man, they're cruising for a bruising. They're in the wrong place. I just want to do what I want to do. Christian, you can't do that. Now, they're not lost, but they're making wrong choices, and that's what this son said. That's what he said. Give me what's mine. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to live on this farm anymore. Now look at the next verse. Not many days after, the younger son gathered up his stuff that he got from the father. Even the wisdom, we think about cash. The how to do something, I can do this on my own. I don't need the father. And he journeyed to a father country and he wasted his possessions. You know, people will sit under the anointing and they'll sit under the joy and the peace of God and they think, you know what? Life's good. I don't need God anymore. And they step out and they live the way they want to live and it all comes crumbling down. You got to be careful. You got to do it God's way, his way. It's the best way. So he gathered and he left. In verse 14, and when he had spent all, he arose uh, and a severe famine was in the land. He began to want. You know how many young men and women, they get a good job, they start saving their money, and then their old buddies come along and throw their arm around them and say, you know, I don't, I don't have a job, but, you know, we could have a big party if you'd buy the stuff. And so they spend all their money, and, I, and then they come to me, Pastor, I just can't, afford, I can't pay the rent. Well, what happened to your money? Well, well, I said, well, you got to hold that money for rent. And then, you know, if you're going to spend whatever that, but that money's for rent. It's not extra money. Just because rent's not due, you know it's coming due. But you see what happens. You get talked into going to a far land and doing some crazy things. Look at verse 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And all he was getting was room and board. We're not talking no cash. I mean, he gets to stay in the barn, and he gets to feed the, the, the hogs. In case you don't know what swine is, it's pigs and hogs. And so look in verse 16. And he would gladly have ate what the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. He's starving. Man, have you ever seen, have you ever slopped a hog, anybody? I wouldn't eat that. No. I mean, that's, even it was stuff off the table that's been out in the heat for about three days. And you know, my goodness, but he's starving. That's how bad a shape he's in. He's starving. Look at verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like your hired servant. Then he rose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now let's hold it right there. We may pick up on that in just a minute, but right now I'm going to stick with this. 
Think about this story. The son left. Did all he wanted. I want to do what I want to do. And then he's starving out, and he came to himself. He came to himself. The shepherd didn't go get him. The lady didn't go get him. He had to come to himself because he was a son. He knew the father. Let me ask you this. If the father said, no, you can't go, and I'm not going to give you anything, and you cannot leave, do you think he'd have still been there? Maybe physically. Even if daddy had went and got him and drug him back to the house. You ever seen a toddler kicking and screaming all the way back? Or even the story with the toddler, they put him in the corner, giving him a timeout. He says, I may be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. That's exactly what God is dealing with with you because you have a will. You have a will. You have a will to do what you want to do. I want to serve God. Do I always do it? No, but I want to serve God. We have a will. Amen? Can you see that in the story? But he came to himself and came back to God. Now, God is the Father in this. Jesus is the shepherd, the Holy Spirit being the woman, and God being the Father. And the Father didn't go after him. But the Father was looking for him, waiting for him waiting for him to come back, come back, come back. Will you come back? Looking. And saw him afar off. That just means he doesn't glance out and he's at the front door. Every time he looked towards that, he looked the distance, looking for him. I mean, he's walking over here and he stops and he looks for that son. God's always looking for us to come closer and those that are, have fell away, that he's looking for them to come back. Are there areas in your life that you have not given to God that you need to give to him? I said there's, all of us have that. But notice he, he waited, he watched, he ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. He didn't ask him, you dog, you sinner, you know why you've been living? Where's all the money I gave you? He didn't ask him any of that. I heard a story of a man who had walked away from God, and he decided, you know what, it's been 20 years. He said, wife, I'm going back to church with you. And they got in the car, and they drove back, and he pulled over and grabbed the steering wheel, began to shake. She goes, what's the matter? He goes, I'm the prodigal son. He goes, I walked away from God. And he says, I feel like he, he's not going to accept me, and he's going to ask me where I've been and what, what I've been doing. But did the, the father ask that? No. He ran and kissed him, looked for him, waited for him. And he said, Father, just make me a servant. If we keep reading, let's, 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 let's put it back up there and let's keep reading just for a second. <clears throat> and he arose and came to his father. When he saw a great way off, his father said to him and had compassion, ran and fell on and kissed his neck and kissed him. Look at verse 21. And the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe, put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and sandals on his feet. Hold it right there. Back it up for me. The Bible says we are clothed in righteousness. 
and that God, all you have to do is ask forgiveness and God will clothe you again in righteousness, that God will clothe you. The Bible says when we make it to heaven, some will make it with a gown of salvation and some will make it with a robe of righteousness because they know who they are and what they've done. Look at the ring on his finger. The ring on his finger says, I'm a son. Uh, yeah, I'd like to uh, buy that chair and the basket and I want a bottle of water. What you going to pay for it with? My daddy got this. Got the ring. It's like a credit card. Put it on my dad's account. My father's account. Provision. I put sandals on his feet. He dressed him. And let's look at the next verse. Verse 23, bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. So let's hold it right there. So, so here it is, the marriage supper of the lamb. God's going to have for us. But you know what? In this life, God wants you to have food. He said he would supply for you. He said he would take care of you. The Father in heaven takes care of his children. But what is your expectation of that? Well, I don't know. If you don't think you're precious, if you don't think you're valuable, if you don't uh, think you're unique to God, then you don't have any expectation that God's going to take care of you. Remember the lily of the, the field? How beautiful. Remember that sort of the sparrow? If he feeds the sparrow, he will feed us. What he's saying is just rest in God. Put your robe on. Put your sandals on. The father's going to kill the fatted calf. He's going to get you the best job. He's going to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to be in the family. If, if, you're a, if you say, well, I'm a black sheep, Pastor Brett, well, there ain't no such thing in the kingdom of God. That's some label or brand you gave yourself or somebody gave you. You are precious to God. <clears throat> you are unique. I want to back up. Remember, the shepherd lost the sheep. He goes after him. The woman went after the, the, the coin that was in the house. The father lost the son, but he couldn't go after him because the son's will took him out of the father's will. He walked away from the blessing. The blessing's in the house. Now, I'm not just talking about church house. I'm talking about being in God's house. The church is not, this building's not you. The building's us. We're the house of God. And to walk in the things of God. So the son had a choice. And I titled this, The Father's Heart. But actually, the father had a battle. You know what the father's battle was? Waiting on the son. And if you've ever been waiting on one of your children to come to the Lord, or if you've been waiting on one of your children to be healed, that's the battle. And the father battles for all of his children to come home. And he would have none, none lost, but all to come to salvation. That's what the Word says. Some people tell you, well, unless you're part of our church, you ain't really saved. Or if you didn't get baptized with a preacher standing on one foot, you ain't really saved. If he didn't say this or sing this song, you didn't get really get baptized. You didn't get saved. Then they're making it a man's work. That's what the Pharisees did. And so it's not man's work, it's God's work. And, and you'll know in your heart that you're a child of God. You'll know in your heart that you, are, that, that you belong to God. The Bible says if your heart convicts you, then you can repent, and then you're right with God. 
And if you recognize that you need to change, then you can recognize that you got peace with God too. Hey, remember it was three Sundays ago, you can recognize that you're in your right relationship with God by peace. And you can also recognize that the enemy's coming against you when you don't have peace. The devil's eating you up about something. Kick him off. You think a horse lets a wildcat ride his back? Anybody ever been bucked off? I have. Well, you know what? You can buck the devil off your back in the name of Jesus. So, so if the cross, at the cross, Jesus shed his blood, he fought the battle for you to be washed in the blood because you're his own, you're precious, you're unique, uh, you're, you're everything that we're talking about today because of the blood of Jesus. You've been bought, too, with a price. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on. I'm, I didn't put the time, because I didn't know how much time we have, but I want to go ahead and add one more point. Let's look at the son who stayed, because this is a lot of us. You ever seen anybody in church that had a bad attitude? Look at this son right here. So, verse 24. Verse 15, I mean, chapter 15, verse 24. For this is my son who died, is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. <clears throat> now, verse 25, the older son was in the field, and he came and drew near the house, and he heard music and dancing. Man, I said, celebrate, Jesus, celebrate. We should be singing that clapping in church. You ever met those people? Okay, just, just, it's talking about heart again. The two sons had heart issues. One wanted to do his own thing. The one that stayed, his heart wasn't there either. Huh? The sheep are lost out in the world. These boys are lost at the, in the house. Christians can be lost in the house. So he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. Verse 26. So he called one of the servants and asked, what are these, what's going on? In verse 27, and he said, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, uh, your father has killed the fatted calf. Hold on right now. That is excited. We're having a party for his brother. And he's like, I'm going to give you an example. I've had people say, watch those people. Watch old Jeff there. I mean, he, and I'm like, what about him? Well, he was a sinner two years ago. And like you was too five years ago. Why are you talking about Jeff? You was the same way five years ago. But we get self-righteous. Huh? Look down our nose at people. And God hasn't called us to do that. He's called us to celebrate when one gets saved, just like they do in heaven. And there's something going on in self if we're not. And he said to your brothers, come. Look at verse 28. And he was angry. Well, he ain't ever killed a fatty calf around here for me and would not go in. There his father came out and pleaded with him. His heart wasn't right. He's mad. Now listen to his excuses. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I, have, I never transgressed your commandment. Never? God, I have never sinned against you. What? Self-righteousness. You think you sound perfect? Don't call me out. 
I've never transgressed your commandment at any time, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. Verse 30, and as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed, and and my brother don't know where he's at, but he's making it up now. Look how bad he is. Now you've killed the fatted calf. And then he said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. And stop right there. If you don't know what I'm teaching today, number one, you're precious, you're valuable, you're unique. When you lose that perspective, you're walking around with a woe is me attitude, I'm not good enough. And then when somebody else gets saved and comes in and they get on fire for God, you get upset. Well, I ain't on fire. I mean, why are they on fire? Who are they to be on fire for God? Huh? Remember, I don't know about y'all, but when I was, uh, you know, getting on fire for God, those people, they they were called the wet blanket brigade. Now, look, y'all don't need to be having Bible studies on your own. You might get off. Trying to put our fire out. Man, when I was in high school and I'd heard the testimony, matter of fact, about five or six years ago, but, you know, it was like Fort Chiswell, Withville, on Fort Chiswell, Withville, Rural Retreat. We had schools like that too. And, but there was one school that was way bigger. And all the boys who were the cool boys that went to that school, I knew them all. And uh, they were on drugs. They were, uh, you know, they, they, matter of fact, they, two of them died drinking and uh, burned up in a car accident, just crazy stuff. But they all got together and started getting into the Bible. And got on fire for God. And the people in the church, now you boys, and they walked away from God because they were hurt. Because somebody like this boy had an attitude. Y'all just need to settle down. Y'all don't need to be running like that for God. Well, just because they don't run that way for God doesn't mean that person. I always like what Les Summerall said. And he said, I'm going, I'm following him. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to Australia. Well, you don't have any funds. You're going to die out there. He goes, well, put on my tombstone. Here, here lies Lester Summerall who died serving God. And the man got mad. Oh! And Lester went anyway with $12 in his pocket. Went around the world. But see, people will limit you from their perspective when we all need to trust God for who we are and be careful who we shoot down and what we shoot down in people. I told the story. My son went to camp or Bible school. Brittany went to Bible school. And there was a girl that went to the leaders and testified, I believe God is leading me to do a beauty contest. You know, the leaders wanted to roll their eyes like, yeah, God ain't in that. Well, in her state, she was most beautiful, won the pageant, and her song was To God Be the Glory, and she went to the Miss America pageant, one runner-up singing To God Be the Glory. The audience is crying. People are crying. They watched it all over TV, To God Be the Glory. Now, they may have rolled their eyes, but they didn't say it. And they encouraged her to follow her dream, and she did. Huh? And she's in ministry today. 
But you think, well, that's just a fleshly thing. That's this, that. God can use anything. Huh? God can use anything. And uh, uh, there was one kid uh, went up to this other youth pastor and said, I believe God wants me to be a senator in, the, in these United States senator. And he goes, well, let's pray. He's like, oh, Lord, give me faith. Because he couldn't see this boy being a senator. Last I heard about it, he was a junior senator. Huh? But how many times I've limited myself because of my faith or what somebody told me? And we all have done that. And look at this. And he said to him, son, you're always with me, and all that I have is yours. He wasn't walking in everything that the Father had for him. God's pushing us to, you know, let's, let's step up and be a son and be a daughter. I'm excited. Uh, we're going to do a series starting next week, Running with Giants. What do you mean running with giants? Like Moses, Abraham, Jesus, Paul, whoever, Ruth, Naomi, running with the giants. We're, we can run with, how many of you know that David was the giant in the situation of David and Goliath? Huh? And how many of you know that you're a giant in every situation you face because God's got your back? God had David's back. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying we're going to run with giants. We're going to look at the examples, and Romans tells us in 11, that's, that's, that's our heroes, and it names them. And, and it even says they were sawed asunder, and they were beheaded, and like, oh, I don't want to be like that. No, I want to be like them. I want to have the power of God like they had it. Huh? I, I want to walk in situations in life. You're going to come up in situations and circumstances, and God will help you through it. <clears throat> so let's put that scripture back up there real quick. And he said, son, you're always with me. Look at verse 31, 32, and this is it. And he said, son, uh, he said, it was right that we should make merry and be glad that your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. You see, you can sit in church so long that you can be lost in here because God's not living strong and mighty, and you're not, it's not fresh. Man, God's got to be fresh every day with us. I think the younger son it just grew comfortable and he wanted to go out and see what the world had to offer. Oh, man. The world has nothing on what God has. And that's where we've got to live it to where people want to live it like we live it. That's why I can't hear what you're saying for how you're living. And God's stirring us up to be the people of God. He's got our back. He's provided everything we need in this life to, to, to overcome. So I got some questions to ask you. Are you sitting here out of the will of God, child of God? Have you, have you let things fall away? You know, somebody said, well, it's, it's too late for me. I'm, I, 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 I'm in my 70s. You know, Colonel Sanders started Kentucky Fried Chicken in his 70s? Huh? It's never too late. John wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of John last, but all in his 80s. What are you writing? Just saying. No, no excuses. That's a good sermon right there. No excuses. What's God telling you? Come on, it's time to dream again. Because God said, you're in my house. Everything I have is yours. 
And, and if you don't know you're saved, today's the day of salvation. The Father has sent Jesus. Jesus came to reach the lost. And he even came to stir those that are born again that know him to stir them up. Many of you have been prompted, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing this. It's time to do it. It's time to do it. Some of you have books to write. I got books to write. No matter where you've been, what you've done, the Father will no wise cast you out. Smile at somebody and say, yeah, that's good. He will know why, no matter where you've been and what you've done, He will not cast you away. I don't care if you're the prodigal. He brings you back. He restores. What about the woman caught in adultery, thrown at Jesus' feet? Woman, where are thy accusers? I do not accuse you, but go and sin no more, is His commandment to her. I accept you, but let's get out of that. Quit doing all that and come with me. You know, she followed him. So will you follow him? Bow your heads today. I know some of you feel like the prodigal, but you're not. God accepts you. He's calling you back. Some of you think you're a lost sheep, the black sheep, but you're not. If you're here today, and you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, will you raise your hand and say, pray for me, Pastor, I need to get saved. And I see your hand. I was lost. Now I'm found. Then maybe, maybe you're here and you, you feel like the prodigal. You got saved when you was eight or nine and, and you haven't been living for God. Or maybe there's that certain area that you held back. And, and you know, and it's all about you and what you think and your intellect, but God's Spirit. God is not living in your mind. He wants to live in your spirit. Is that you today? Do you need to come back to the Lord and give your heart to Him and recommit your life today to Him? Is that you? Raise your hand real quick. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. God knows you. You are special. You are unique. You are precious. You're valuable to Him. We all need prayer. We all need help. And if we stay submitted to God, He helps us. Can we all pray this together? Look at me. Say, Father, today I give you my heart all of it, fresh and new, stirring me the vision that you have for my life. I believe that you love me, love me so much that you sent Jesus to die just for me. Father, make it real in my heart that I may know without a doubt that I am a child of God, that I am forgiven of sin, and I will sin no more. I will walk upright in your ways, Lord. I will keep myself humble to you and your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give the Lord a shout this morning. Because I like it. 
We are precious. We are unique. And almost, last one I almost said special, but some of you have a wrong connotation on being special. But, but we are unique. We are God's. We belong to Him. He's a good Father. And if you raise your hand, please go to the prayer team over here to the wall today. Let them pray with you. There's an impartation where they pray and lay hands on you, and God will be imparted to you in a mighty way. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.